You're listening to the OKC82 Podcast with Brady Trantham and Madison Morris. The best place for OKC Thunder basketball. A part of 1077 The Franchise Podcast Network. And what's up everybody? Welcome to the OKC82 Podcast. For the first time in 146 days, the Thunder finally get a win. And also, the OKC82 Podcast is back for a post-game pod for a game that counts so i'm excited you're excited because you're listening other or you're just bored and (laughs) in which case hopefully uh, we help you out there but um we did a post game show on 107.7 the franchise that was chisholm holland jerry ramsey and me uh being brady trantham i'm joined with my partner in crime miss madison morris unfortunately madison i was rusty the entire thing was rusty. I've already kind of talked to you about it before we went on air. I, one of the things that I forgot to do was have a Chisholm uh, press record. And actually, now that I think about it, I would prefer us to be on at some point. Yeah. And uh, because obviously we've all been busy. You were thankfully not as busy as you thought today. So you were able to watch the game and you were right. uh, kind enough to jump on all the post-game stuff with Billy Donovan, uh, Stephen Adams, Chris Paul. And we'll get to that in a second. But Madison, everybody's excited because the Thunder just ran the Utah Jazz out of the gym, yeah. as was foretold in the 146 days in between. Because, oh my goodness, I, 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 where do we begin? Like the Thunder ran the Jazz out of the gym from start to finish. They won the first quarter 29 to 15, and that was basically it. The Jazz never really got, I think they got as close as 20 or 19 at one point. No, they got it down to, a, actually, they got it down to 11 in the, into the second quarter or the beginning of the third quarter, but it ballooned back up to 20. And from that point on, the Jazz never really had an answer. No, definitely not. I mean, this was in no knock on the Thunder or anything. This is not really what I expected. I kind of expected it to be a pretty close matchup just because, okay, it's it's no, like, like mystery that the Jazz are – they're a good team, basically. Like, they're not lacking in talent. They have a lot going for them. They proved that throughout the regular season before the shutdown. And then they get out there and, like, no offense to them, but they looked kind of atrocious. And the Thunder just looked great. They really had it going for them. And even Chris Paul said post-game, it was all about communication for Oklahoma City. That's what they had for them. And that's what really contributed to their success out there. They were just able to make things happen because they were able to talk about it and verbalize what they wanted to do. I thought that it was just a great offensive performance from Oklahoma City. Um, I think it was, like, five or six different players finished in double digits. Obviously, their defense was great, holding the Jazz to only 15 points in the first quarter. It was just, you know, little moments like that that made the Thunder just look spectacular out there today. And I'm not going to just rain their praises right now because it's game one. They still have a long way to go before all of this kind of uh, gets really to the knit and grit of everything. But, I mean, overall, it was a really good um, first game performance. Obviously, the scrimmages looked good for Oklahoma City as well. But this one really mattered, and they showed up like it did. So. That's something positive to take away from it. Billy Donovan said, obviously, the turnovers were a huge head scratcher for Oklahoma City, something they're going to talk about and work on. But overall, he was really, really impressed with the way that guys were able to generate offense and move the ball and uh, basically just feed off of each other. So good positives for Billy Donovan. They have their work cut out for them for Monday, but so far, so good. And I don't think it could have gone any better for them tonight. 
Yeah, I mean, who's running this offense? Russell Westbrook? Because, like you said, there's 21 turnovers by this Thunder team, and it was it was odd. They had nine turnovers, I think, at the 11-minute mark of the second quarter, and right. I thought, well, the Thunder are leading this game fairly early, but if the Jazz start catching fire and the Thunder keep turning the ball over, like, this could get this could get ugly pretty quickly. But the yeah. Thunder's offense was either incredible or sloppy in the first half, and it just started to age into, no, it's just efficient, cold killing, and uh, heartless <laughs> if it comes to if you're a Utah Jazz fan. But I am glad that you mentioned, Madison, that the Jazz were bad because we need to get that out of the way uh, before we d- dive into, like, the Thunder numbers and what they were able to do. The Jazz were awful. And yeah, bad. if Zion Williamson didn't have a 15-minute uh, minutes restriction – the Jazz probably have two losses in Orlando right now, and the Thunder have a little bit more cushion uh, ab- above the Jazz because I think right now they're technically a half game below Utah, or they might be tied. I know they're tied with Houston right now, so it's mm-hmm. kind of a crapshoot in the middle of the West. Uh, the Thunder got the Nuggets on Monday, so that's, of course, really good for the Thunder's chances to keep climbing because the Nuggets did lose today to the Miami Heat, which was awesome. But, uh, yeah, the Jazz were bad. They were bad. Donovan Mitchell was bad. Rudy Gobert was kind of a non-factor except for some key rebounds here and there that ended up not amounting to anything. Nobody else from the Jazz really got going. Joe Ingles was three of six, one of four from the three-point line. The Jazz overall from the three-point line were just bad. And while Mitchell was kind of average today, he took 15 shots. Jordan Clarkson took 17 shots off the Jazz yeah. bench. And anytime you, you kind of trick Jordan Clarkson into thinking, oh, yeah, you're Jamal Crawford. Go ahead and take all those shots. For whatever reason, and maybe I just don't like Jordan Clarkson as a player, for whatever reason, that seems to always work against Jordan Clarkson's team. When he feels like that he can, like, I'm going to put the team on my back. It never yeah. works out. So everything the Thunder wanted to do was made easier by the fact that the Jazz or just have just not been good since they've been in Orlando. But right. having said all that, the reason why Donovan Mitchell was average was because of Lou Dort and his defense. The reason why the Jazz were average was because the Thunder's defense was incredible. So you got to give credit to everybody on, uh, with Oklahoma City. Uh, but since I just mentioned it with Donovan Mitchell, Lou Dort, and we'll, we'll kind of dive into the starting five, Madison, because I pulled this stat up uh, just with my calculator machine. The starting five shot 27 to 51 combined from the floor uh that's including the fact that Lou Dort was two of eight from the floor one of five from three so 27 of 51 for the starting five they shot 53 percent from the field like at, after that everything from Darius Baisley Hamidou Diallo Dennis Schroeder was just a cherry on top and actually not fair if you're a jazz fan but uh Lou Dort's defense Madison let's kind of start there that really set the tone early because like we mentioned, the Thunder were kind of either really good on offense or sloppy turning the ball over. But the, the constant was just Lou Dort chasing Donovan Mitchell and not allowing him to get comfortable early. Yeah, no phenomenal stuff from Lou Dort today, just because I've always been talking about how, you know, this guy, if he really wants to make his mark in the starting rotation and get out there and do some damage, he's going to have to gain confidence. He's going to have to come out of the gates firing. And, you know, he probably not even probably he didn't shoot his best today but he did some great defensive uh stuff out there and that's just you know that's enough because if you have guys like Danilo Gallinari and Shea Gilgis Alexander knocking down the shots that they are supposed to knock down even Chris Paul was making a lot of great shots today as well so if you have guys like that you need someone to get out there especially if they're going to fire off the game 
and just be strong on defense, really create and generate turnovers for the Jazz. I think they had like 15 total, and I know that doesn't really compare much to what the Thunder had, but still it counts because you have someone who is disruptive. You have someone who is almost a nuisance and is posing a threat to these guys. It kind of shakes them up a little bit. And, I mean, I kind of noticed that in the second half of play today that the Jazz just looked a little frazzled. They looked a little – um, gassed. They just didn't look like a team that was ready to go out there and compete because I think that they were so turned off by the fact that the Thunder did have a lot of defensive uh, nuisances out there. And so, yeah, it was it was kind of cool to see just because I think Lou Dort has developed so much um, in the past, oh, I, I want to say a couple months, but I'm talking about like before the shutdown when he was starting to get into the starting rotation and then now in the bubble not really counting the four and a half months off or anything like that, but it's just he has developed so much as a player as um, kind of a good offensive strategy, but also just a really good, strong body to be down there on defense as well. So it's kind of cool to see. Good for Lou, and I think that he's going to be utilized a lot more going forward because of that performance today. I'd be interested to ask Lou Dort this, and you actually just kind of brought it up, so I'm going to actually credit you for this, even though I could put it in my head, but – I, I wonder if, like, having four months off with Lou Dort helped his confidence any. Like, it's not, not to say that he was dealing with confidence issues. I, I don't think that that's further from the case. But, you know, when Lou Dort was inserted into the starting lineup, it was always kind of be, because, okay, at some point, Terrence Ferguson's going to come back, right? I mean, Lou Dort's right. a two-way guy. Um, every day he's with the Thunder. That's one less day that he can be with them um, unless he gets converted to an NBA contract, which he is, of course, now. He's an NBA player. Uh, but at the time, it was just kind of like a spur-of-the-moment thing, and then maybe it lasts, maybe it doesn't. So Lou Dort kind of has that understanding of, I'm here now, I need to make the most of my opportunity. And to his credit, he did. But once the season got suspended by that point, we all were just kind of, because Terrence Ferguson had been back for a handful of games, Madison, and coming off the bench, and there was no threat for Terrence mm-hmm. to retake his starting spot. So Lou started to gain that that much more probably confidence just because he had more games under his belt. But having four months off with the understanding that I am a starting two guard for the Oklahoma City Thunder, all like all those days, all those weeks, all those months, that has to help him because from the scrimmages on, he's just been not necessarily a completely different player, but he's been more assertive. And this is coming from a guy who was so damn assertive as a two-way guy starting before the season got suspended in the first place. So I wonder if that's really helped his confidence or just helped him feel more comfortable in that lineup because he was the worst offensive player in the starting five, but it, it wasn't like he had a bad game, even offensively. Again, two of eight, not nothing to write home about, but it didn't take any confidence away from him on the defensive end when he's chasing around Donovan Mitchell. So great job by Lou Dort. And if they're going to be able to get that out of him uh, consistently, at least on the defensive end of the floor, then everything that he'll do offensively is going to be a cherry on top, especially when, yeah. and we talked about this before, Madison, I thought there, I thought that there was a little concern with Danilo Gallinari in those scrimmage games because he just did not look comfortable. He was right. by far the worst um, offensive player in those scrimmages of guys who consistently played. Just never looked comfy. Didn't have a rhythm. He started things off pretty hot today with mm-hmm. that dunk and one. Uh, looked comfortable. Looked like a, the regular Danilo Gallinari that we've all seen this entire season. Uh, Danilo Gallinari was phenomenal. Steven Adams phenomenal. SGA Chris Paul. Starting five, like I said, was just incredible. And everything that the bench did was just kind of a bonus. But, I mean, other than Lou Dort, did anybody, like, really kind of surprise you? Or when you think about this game, like, that's the guy who kind of, like, 
set the tone and got everything going. Yeah. I mean, you kind of already talked about it, but I was going to say Danilo Gallinari just because he, he came out so fast and furious and he was able to knock down his shots really well, which of course, like exactly what you said in the scrimmages, that was such a head scratcher and he looked awkward. He looked uncomfortable out there. He looked stiff and just kind of uh, not himself because he has been a consistent shooter for Oklahoma city during the season. So coming into those scrimmages, you're just kind of like, okay, I mean, hopefully he can still do something out there because I don't see Billy Donovan ever taking him out of the starting five. But I mean, he really proved us both wrong. I would say today. I thought he did great. Uh, finished really high in scoring. I thought Steven Adams really contributed to that well too. Um, you know, just different guys had different moments in this game. And I think both Chris Paul and Shea Gildas Alexander, they were the two that had kind of a quiet performance, but it was impactful at the same time. So, you know, you always want players like that. I thought Shea did a really good job getting uh, to the rim today, just around big guys like Rudy Gobert. And so it's just, it's really nice to see that these guys are still able to generate good offense, even um, up against a good team like the Jazz. And Billy Donovan even said today, you know, these, uh, this Jazz team, they're a good team. They pose pretty good defensive threats, and it just speaks volumes to the offense, how they were able to kind of overcome that and have such a high-scoring performance and keep it at a 20-point um, advantage. They got up to 29 at one time, and it was just like, who is this Thunder team? Like, how are they able to do this so well? So – yeah, that really spoke to me. Obviously, there were still some uh, slip-ups. I do think about Dennis Schroeder, how he picked up three fouls so quickly. And, <laughs> he was so angry. <laughs> you know, yeah, oh, so angry. And you just you can't play sloppy basketball like that, but it was almost kind of like, okay, some of these calls that were made today, you're just like, okay, like that's just – you're going to have to like balance that. You're going to have to break through that because sometimes in the NBA, calls will be made. You're not going to agree with them, especially Danilo getting a flagrant today. That was awesome. But, it was odd. Yeah. It was I never, weird. I yeah. never thought. I never thought I would have ever seen Danilo Gallinari drop a shoulder in front of some, in front of somebody. Oh, he was go. He was going for the ball. It was just kind of incidental contact, but it looked pretty violent when you're watching it. You know, full speed. But oh yeah, there was a flagrant one there. Stephen Adams elbowed Rudy Gobert in the face uh, inadvertently. Probably deserved it, but it's okay. Yeah, and I was about to say, I'm sure a lot of Thunder fans actually enjoyed that. And uh, quite yeah. frankly, I'm surprised Rudy Gobert didn't cry. Uh, yeah. In addition to that, there were two four point plays. Uh, for the Oklahoma City Thunder, I believe they converted both of them. Um, a player hit a three-pointer, and then there was uh, physical violence, whatever you want to call it, contact, whatever uh, Scott Foster would call it, under the rim. So the Thunder Ray called it him. illegal and um, what was it? Illegal and uh, hostile. <laughs> oh man, defund the like dang defund the sure? NBA, defund the NBA officials. Too much like, power. I Goodness, that's a those are some strong words, Scott Foster. Okay. <laughs> it, the funny thing was Scott Foster was so annoyed when he had to re like re-explain the Stephen Adams <laughs> uh, flagrant one because he had to explain it once. And now it's kind of cool. I, I hope the NBA actually keeps this going where for games when they're broadcasted, that the officials are mic'd up. So when they're explaining things to the uh, uh, play-by-play official at, at the scoring table, uh, they're mic'd up so that we can actually hear what they say. Usually, right. before all this, they say it, and then the play-by-play announcers that you're listening to either on the radio or on TV are, like, leaning all the way over here to try and listen, and then they just repeat it. But then Scott Foster had to come back and do it again because it was just like, wait, the basket doesn't count, but we just saw it 
we he scored it like what's going it's on like a continuation so yeah he was uh scott foster was thoroughly annoyed he was probably annoyed that the jazz just didn't float the white flag in the third quarter it's like this game is over um yeah, very chippy real quick before we get to the bench madison uh chris paul i'm still i'm still amazed and it's not because i i think low of him he's still a guy that moves the needle in the nba and he's an incredible leader for oklahoma city and he is basically the cog that makes the machine go for the thunder i'm still amazed that he is such a terror defensively with his hands it seemed like his his hands were in every single jazz's passing lane he'd get his body right up against the ball handler before they even had the ball in their hands so that when they actually got it they had no room to move yeah. Like the Thunder just took the initiative defensively and took it to Utah, who was supposed to be a very good defensive team, mainly because of Rudy Gobert. But the Thunder just, I mean, it started with Chris Paul, but his ability to just do everything great and never have a bad possession, never have a bad play, it's, it's incredible. And he turned 35 a month and a half ago or two months yeah. ago. And his game just is, it ages like wine. So, I mean, the Thunder, look, we already talked about the Jazz haven't looked very good. They, and to be honest, during the regular season, they were pretty disappointing. And that day on the pregame show, John Ham, Jerry Ramsey, and I, in addition to asking the question of why are we here, there's somebody that's sick, why are we doing this? We were like, well, if the game is played and if, for all we knew it then, like it was going to be played, like we mm-hmm. all picked the Thunder to beat the Jazz that night. Like the Thunder are a better team than the Jazz as the season wore along. So the Thunder took care of business like they were supposed to do, but um, Chris Paul is just every every time I watch him, he's just he's so fun. Yeah, no, he always like surprises me with what he's still capable of doing, and I don't mean that as like an old joke, but I I mean it as like he's had that reputation the past couple of years of being you know almost like a walking injury, like you never know what's going to happen, you never know what kind of performance you're going to get out of him. But I do, I'm like a really strong believer of like if you're surrounded by people who truly know the best of your game and like see the best in what you're able to provide for them, then you're going to perform and exceed uh, people's expectations. So I really think that's what Chris Paul has been doing this entire season for the Thunder. And he played, you know, really well today. I thought that, you know, you're right. He was extremely disruptive. He was very um, agile and he was very, um, you know, he didn't have any kind of reluctance just going after Uh, different defensive stops you know he didn't want to just stay in one place and you know see what his role could be there he moved around the floor a lot he was able to contribute over here contribute over there like he just looked energetic he looked healthy he looked like he really wanted to win this game and it was you know it was cool to see especially from a leader of a team so you know that's I, I credit him a lot to what the Thunder were able to do today not just because of his high scoring performance but Uh, just basically the way he was able to orchestrate the game and, you know, talk to these guys and give them some chances to really shine and, you know, open opportunities for them on offense. So yeah, credit to Chris Paul for sure. I think he is just a great asset to what they have going on right now and just the development that they've created to go forward in the bubble. So yeah, Chris Paul, he just, he's a great player still, uh, 35 years old and still killing it. So yeah, hats off to him for sure. 18 points, seven rebounds, seven assists. Only got credited for two steals, but I feel like when I try to think back during the game, I feel like he sh- was probably the reason for about two or three more steals just because he gets his hands in passing lanes and he just wreaks havoc uh, when the Jazz are trying to get their offense going. And to the Thunder's credit, gosh, 
like the Jazz's offense, which is supposed to be like the blender. You remember that two years ago in the playoffs, Madison? Mm-hmm. Now this year it's been a little different for them because they've got more playmakers, so that can kind of that can either work beautifully or it can kind of bog your offense down. But th- they had guys just standing around, and a lot of it was for the Thunder. But um, other than that, what the starting five Stephen Adams was probably the the third player of the game because the key with the Utah Jazz, of course, is you don't let Rudy Gobert dictate more than what he typically does, which is just it's hard to drive against him. Stephen Adams erased him from the game. Like, it's as simple as that. So what we were able to see from Steven in those scrimmages, like, oh, my gosh, he's had all this time off. He's healthy. He doesn't have a nagging injury. Maybe he can give them something that he usually isn't able to give this time of year because he's dealing with those types of injuries where he he can give you something defensively. He's not going to give you a double-double and score buckets on the offensive end as consistently as as he has shown in Orlando. If he's able to keep this up, Mass, and the the Thunder – they could make some noise. Steven Adams is that important to this team. So uh, that was good to see. But you were actually able to, uh, to talk to Steven. Did he say anything of note? Because every time Steven talks, it's, it seems like something uh, quote-worthy is uh, said. Um, I mean, not necessarily. He basically just talked about – because he was asked a lot about, um, you know, Rudy Gobert and that matchup and just kind of how important that is to, you know, zone in on the guy that causes you so many problems and just kind of erase that opportunity from him pretty much exactly what you said. And he was like, yeah, you know, that was, that was our game plan going into this was, you know, target this guy who has had success against us in the past. And that's just, you know, it's what we do. That's what we focus on before we go into the game. Yada, yada. And, uh, you know, he did say that his favorite play from today, this is my favorite Steven Adams quote from the scrum was uh, the time that he got to dive out of bounds to save a ball. And he basically just launched it at a jazz player's leg just so it would uh, go off them. And oh, the, of him. The, the finger pistols moment. Yeah. And he was like, I just felt like a ninja. Like I got up and I wanted to be a ninja. And you know, <laughs> I, he was like, I, I may have pulled my back, but I think I'm good. Oh and no. So, what if that's what does it? And now it's know, back to like, regular posts, like postseason Steven Adams where he's kind of hurt, hurt the whole time. Yes. He's oh, always no. hurt. Yeah. I was like, yeah, don't joke about that. That's not, no, you're not hurt. Right. No, I, I, I had the scrum pulled up on my computer. I don't know why. I just I had the scrum pulled up on my computer when we were doing the radio show. But I saw he pulled up his shirt uh, with the One Punch Man thing on it. Like, what did he do that for? Do you remember what oh, I'm talking about? I have about? no idea. I actually had my Twitter pulled up the whole time. I wasn't <laughs> watching it. I was just, like, typing stuff at, like, at you, all. You do know that when you have Zoom pulled up, you can hit the minimize button, and it'll just be a small little floating uh, video screen over, like, TweetDeck. You, yeah, I did not know that. It it really does help out. Like you, you find out all these tricks in this new world of sports media during a pandemic where you're not oh. actually Yeah, see? I just tried it with you and it worked great. I know. You can see a lot less of me, which is never a bad thing. So Matt I mean, well, this is good to know. I, this is a visual medium, but seriously, Madison's eyes just lit up. She's like, Good, I don't have to look at him anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, but that's actually really good to know because I feel like I miss so much stuff because I'm it, not actually like watching the scrum. I'm just listening. It makes transcribing so much easier. So next time, nice. like, just go ahead and utilize that. But here's my hot take of the game. And it was actually my Thunder player of the game on the radio, mainly because and actually, I think I told Chisholm this when we were watching the fourth quarter at the studio. Um, but Jerry, I think, picked Chris Paul or SGA, which is a plot twist for Jerry. His, his, it's well documented that he hates Shea Gildas Alexander. <laughs> um, Chisholm picked Steven Adams. He was like, he, we both agree. If you're going to beat the Utah jazz, let Donovan Mitchell do whatever the hell he wants, but you don't let Rudy Gobert roll to the basket and get 20 points like that. Right. It makes things so much harder. 
I actually thought Hamadou Diallo was the player of the game. And, yeah. here's, and here's why. So the Thunder lead the first quarter, 29-15. Second quarter starts, and you've got your bench mob out there. I think SGA and Lou Dort were out there to start the quarter, but you've got Hamadou Diallo, Darius Baisley, Nerlens Noel. And that's the part of the game where if you start off hot and then your bench comes out there, the opposing team can, can sometimes like kind of mount a comeback. They can find some rhythm. And then once their starters come back, hopefully they can feed off that momentum. And then it's a ball game. Like that's a common occurrence in the NBA. And so a lot of this hinges with the thunder with Hamadou Diallo because in the first three scrimmages, he's the first wing off the bench. He's not the first guy off the bench, but he's the first wing player off the bench. And he kind of had an up and down scrimmage performance. And he's basically had an up and down regular season performance, Madison, which was always kind of sad for me because if you remember first five or 10 games of the season until he got hurt, I thought he was incredible. I thought he was everything that the Thunder wanted him to be, which was active defensively without fouling. That was always his problem as a rookie was he would just foul all the time. Active on the glass because he can do that. He's super athletic. And then it's a cherry on top if he can hit an open shot. His first shot of the game was a wide open three and he drained it. So great. But his defense of Donovan Mitchell, Jordan Clarkson, whoever had the ball on the perimeter for uh, Utah, when Hami came out there, there was no drop-off defensively from Lou Dort to him. And if we're going to get that out of Hamadou Diallo, like watching the Thunder, if they're going to get that on a night-in, night-out basis consistently out of Hamadou Diallo, and then you can slowly integrate Andre Robertson back and get him conditioned, because he only played five minutes. We'll get to him a little bit later. But if Hami's able to do that, this team can beat about every team in the Western Conference, save for about L.A. and the L.A. teams. Like, it's that simple. Hamadou Diallo is that important. And if there's not that much of a drop-off from the starters to Hami and then the rest of the bench, the Thunder can be a very, very good team. And I just thought Hami was incredible tonight. He didn't foul. He kept the clamps down on Donovan Mitchell and Utah's perimeter players. And then he gave you something on the glass and something offensively. Yeah, no, I've always been a big fan of Hami. Like, anytime he comes into the game, I feel like he just brings this whole new burst of energy that the Thunder may have been missing at that point, or they just – you know, it's just like an add-on. And so, you know, I've always admired Hami's game because he has such a way of just being fearless. You know, he's always the guy who you see flying out of nowhere to grab rebounds, to, uh, you know, make really athletic plays, to get the loose ball and probably try to put it up for second chance points. You know, you just, you never know what you're going to get out of Hami, but it's never anything reckless. It's never anything um, that, I don't know, does something bad for the Thunder, like puts them in a lethal position. Like it's never anything like that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always impressed by Hami and what he's able to bring to the table. And I'm guessing I'm not alone in that because Billy Donovan calls upon him so early. He's been kind of a consistent guy that comes off the bench um, over guys like Terrence Ferguson, over guys like Abdul Nader. And I think that's just because he offers something so vital to them at that point. So yeah, you know, whether he plays a lot of minutes or a little minutes, I think that he still serves a really important role for where they are at that time of the game. And, you know, regardless of if they were down a little bit, I still think he'd be someone they called upon because he's reliable. Um, He can be consistent. Sometimes he's, you know, a little off, but he's a young player. He's still uh, kind of learning and evolving throughout the game, but he's someone who knows that game plan. He knows this team really well. He's been here. So, yeah, I, I think he's a great, reliable player and someone that Billy Donovan trusts a lot to take the place of whoever's coming to sit down. 
Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. If Hamadou Diallo has a bad game, if he fouls, if he gets on the floor and gets picks up two fouls, then Billy's either going to go right back to Ludor, right back to SGA, play them more minutes, or probably dive a little bit deeper than he wants and get Abdul Nader out there. And that's, of course, another up-and-down player. Right. And quite frankly, Billy plays Andre Arverson five minutes tonight. He played him 12 minutes, 15 minutes, and then 18 minutes in three scrimmage games. And then he told us that he's just not there condition-wise. So, I mean, this is great for Andre Arverson as well, but if Hami doesn't have it consistently um, on the floor, then he's going to be forced to play Andre or he's going to be forced to play Abdul. So it's so important and so vital for Hami to be consistent at least early on because I'm expecting him to have some up and downness in his game because that's what we've seen. Now, hopefully um, with all this time off, he just mirrors the player that he was at the beginning of the actual regular season so many months ago. Mm-hmm. And instead of getting hurt and then losing that momentum and then kind of trying to find his way back into the rotation, hopefully he's just set mm-hmm. at least mentally and physically. So we'll see with that. But it's important that he plays well because as we get into Andre Robertson, Madison, I'm going to assume that on Monday, Andre is probably going to play a few more minutes because Denver has a ton of guards, a ton of wings, and that's really good for Andre Robertson in that matchup. But also because, just like Billy said, and like I mentioned, he needs to get better in better shape. Not to say that he's out of shape, but again, he hasn't played basketball in two and a half years, so he's just not 100% there. So I expect him to play more, but I, it was such a wonderful sight to see him up against Donovan Mitchell, Madison, because two years ago we would have loved to watch that matchup in the playoffs. Yeah. We unfortunately didn't get a chance to see that. But Andre plays five minutes. And just like with Hami, there was no drop off. And mm-hmm. I wonder what Donovan Mitchell, or Donovan Mitchell felt like. You, yeah. you go up against this two way tank guy in Lou Dort, and you're just like, okay, like he's a pretty good defender. That's kind of surprising. And then Hamadou Diallo, and you're like, okay, he fouls all the time. Oh, he's, he's pretty good too. Andre Robertson's here? What? <laughs> this isn't fair. Yeah. Well, I felt like you could see some visible frustration on Donovan's face oh, he got, in he the got, second half. He got mad uh, in bubble. So mad. I enjoyed it, though. <laughs> Low-key. I, I just enjoyed it because he's a good player. And, like, I think I, – I mean, I understand that. Like, if you're a good player and you're just getting rocked by this team. And I think he picked up, like, two back-to-back fouls. And he was just like, man, like, this is not going well. I think they were down, like, 21, 22 at this point. Yeah, it's – it's easy to get frustrated and especially when it's guys that, you know, we're two way players, someone who comes off the bench and you're Donovan Mitchell, like, yeah, it's going to get frustrating, but that's just, you know, that's kind of the development that the Thunder have taken. So that's, it's a cool thing. Yeah. I mean, again, overall incredible performance by Oklahoma city, bad performance by Utah, but the Thunder did what they were supposed to. They beat a, not a talent-wise average team, but a performance-wise, mm-hmm. you know, if we're going back into the regular season, a rather disappointingly average team. So that's what the Thunder – This what that's what this Thunder team does. They beat teams that they are better than, and against the teams that are technically better than them, they give themselves a fighting chance, and they're going to ha- go up against a matchup like that with Denver on Monday, Madison. I believe that game's at 3 o'clock Oklahoma time. Um, I don't know what to expect out of this game because the last time the Thunder played the Nuggets during the regular season, the Thunder ran them out of the gym in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Now the Nuggets have probably been the one team that has been harassed the most by COVID-19 uh, in the bubble, not necessarily technically in the bubble, but in terms of as of a week and a half ago, I think they had eight players in Orlando yeah. practicing. 
So as a Miami Heat fan, I loved watching the Heat dominate them earlier today, but I don't know how much of that was because the Heat played really well and they're good and, you know, they're a good team. But I don't know how much of that was also credited to Denver just having kind of not a lot of luck in the last few weeks. And maybe as the season wears along, they'll start to kind of look like they uh, like they are, which is the technically the third best team in the Western Conference. But this is a good spot for the Thunder going into that game because they're still probably going to be trying to find their legs under them. But um, if the Thunder play like this, I'm not saying they're going to go to the Western Conference Finals by any means, but this is a team that you do not want to play because even when they make mistakes, Madison, 21 turnovers, it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I hate to, like, chalk it up to this because this stuff can either matter, it, it really doesn't matter, but Denver's going to be coming off a loss. Oklahoma City's going to be coming off a win. And so, yeah, I mean, I agree. The Thunder played great today. The Denver Nuggets did not play great uh, today. And so it's just, it's a weird thing how you can have some sort of advantage if you have guys who are healthy, you have uh, a really good team that is experiencing good cohesiveness and good communication and good, just all around uh, vibes throughout the team. And so I'm not saying Denver doesn't have that right now, but I mean, you said it exactly. They've been dealing with some COVID problems. They've been dealing with, you know, guys being out for this, that, and the other. And so if you're not completely mentally and physically prepared to go up against a team like the Thunder, then they're going to run you out like they did against the Jazz today. So, I mean, there's really no telling what will happen on Monday. I won't be able to watch that game, but I will absolutely be tuning in afterwards, and I'm eager to see what happens. Madison, we're back, officially. We're back! It's fun. It felt weird. Like, it felt, it felt really weird. Yeah, I mean, no, it does. The Thunder took the scrimmages seriously. I think that's pretty apparent. Not necessarily Danilo and Chris Paul, but everybody else took it seriously. So this kind of looked like a the Thunder and the scrimmages. They took it seriously, and they played 100% hard every single possession, every single quarter, both halves, the entire game. So um, it was fun, and I'm glad, it was that, fun. I'm glad that the NBA got their ish together and put this all together, this incredible undertaking. Everybody has been safe. There have been no positive tests thus far in the bubble. So at this point, we can be optimistic that the NBA is going to be able to finish this off um, on their own time. So as long as the Thunder are playing basketball, Madison and I will have you covered. So uh, Madison, any final thoughts and or anything looking forward to uh, with Denver? Um, honestly, I'm just looking forward to seeing how the Thunder can carry over a performance like this. I feel like they've been so good about that. Um, the season before the shutdown, if they had a really good performance, even if it wasn't as great of a game the next one, it was still successful for them. Or if they lost it, it wasn't like a blowout or anything terrible. They still played good basketball. That team that beat them just played a little bit better. So, you know, I really do think that the Thunder, they're able to uh, thrive off of momentum from past games. And they're able to take what they've learned from those games and apply it to the next. So, especially with a game like Denver, and then obviously, obviously they play uh, the Lakers, right, on Wednesday. It's just you, you got to take this momentum and run with it. So I think, they'll be, I think they'll be great. You know, of course, since they're the team we cover, we wish the best for them. So I'll just be excited to see how it goes from here. Exactly. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to OKC82 back during quarantine and lockdown, back during the scrimmages, and now back during actual games Woo. that count. Uh, but Madison and I will have you covered uh, as long as Madison is not uh, working at Kendra Scott. Slinging jewels. We will take care of that as we go along. But everybody, thank you so much for listening to OKC82. Until Monday night, we'll talk to you later. <laughs>